take a minute and greet somebody around you. Say hi to someone you don't know or just tell them you're glad they're here. you're here to worship with us today. And um, I have a verse I'd like to throw up if we could. Um, it's Psalm 66 for everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. And um, we've been talking a lot about worshiping lately. And um, it's really, it's not a buffer time of our service. It's not um, 
having, if you're a little late, you still don't worry, don't worry about it. Um, this is really a perfect time to come in, lift your voices, get your mind and your soul ready for the message that's coming and praise the Lord. Multiple times in the Bible, it says they lifted their voices, they lifted their voices and they worshiped. And uh, there's another verse, um, it's the end part of Second Chronicles uh, 2930, and they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshiped. And today, I really want you to sing out and let's, uh, let's really worship our awesome God. We're going to pray and then we're going to start the next song and let's really lift our voices during this next song and honor our awesome God. Father God, we come before you today um, thankful for the chance to come out and worship you freely, Lord. We ask that you will open every heart to the song and the service coming. And we ask that you'll be with each and every person in this room. You see our burdens. You see our troubles. Please be with each and every one of us. And thank you for all that you've done for us.
worship team this morning. Thank you guys. It's a, a wonderful day here at Crossroads. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad that you're here. Please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle this morning. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, help us to minister to you and your family in a better way. Just a few announcements today. We're thanking God for all that happened. This past Wednesday, we had a great night over here in the gymnasium. Our um, our, our, our Lego race was awesome. So many people worked hard to, to make that thing happen. Some people were building the track. I, I know up here, Ryan, you helped build the track. And, and uh, there were just so many people. At, last Sunday after church, there was a team that stayed, and they worked all day on that. And, uh, and so many of you were here Wednesday night helping to make it go. I want to thank everybody for all that, uh, all that you did to make that happen. A lot of people were there. That place was full over there. It was wonderful. I even saw they had a, an adult track at the end there. And so uh, I, I was surprised. There was an adult that I had never met before, and he was showing me his car. I was like, oh, nice to meet you. He goes, yeah, I'm so excited about this. I was like, that's pretty cool, all right? So uh, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you. It was a great day, and uh, so many good things happened out of that. So uh, would you give a hand to all those who worked and participated? We thank you for your, for your service here at the church. And then uh, just a few other announcements. I want to encourage you, jump in and get involved. God is doing great things here. On Wednesday night, we have our, our, um, our, our Canopy Kids, our Connect Students meets in the gymnasium. Uh, there's something going on. There's a men's group and a women's group. There is a place to get connected. And then there are life groups. Life groups are meeting in people's homes all throughout the week. They're meeting at different times. It's wonderful. I want to encourage you to get involved. Here's what happens. When you get involved and you start to learn somebody's name, you start to do life with somebody else, all right? You start to learn about how people are living and, and sharing one another's burdens centered around God's Word. So uh, please stop by the life group table in the back. Leave your information on the, on the, uh, 
on the sign-up sheet there, and we will get back to you and help you with that and encourage you uh, in, in getting a life group. We're trying to get as many groups started as we can uh, because lives are being changed. So I just want to encourage you to jump in on that. And, uh, and, and then uh, as we approach here Easter, Easter is on the horizon. It's a little bit later this year. It's kind of nice. August. Uh, August. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, huh? <laughs> April 16th, all right? April 16th is Easter this year. And so we're thanking God for uh, the opportunity that we're going to have as a church to, uh, to really reach out in our community. Just a, one, one big thing. I want you to start to pray about this because this, this is something new for us. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt, but this year it's going to have a helicopter egg drop, okay? So uh, what that means is there's a helicopter going to drop eggs on the, on the field out there. And that's kind of cool. The kids will not be under the helicopter, I assure you that. So uh, they'll, they'll drop the eggs, and then we'll let the kids come out. But uh, we're going to promote this heavily in our community, and uh, people will be able to sign up online. As a matter of fact, they will have to sign up online in order to come because we'll just have to control a crowd like that. That could get, <coughs> could get really overwhelming. So uh, we want you to begin to pray because here's the thing. Helicopters don't bring people to Jesus. People bring people to Jesus. Will you always remember that with me? All right. People bring people to Jesus. So um, the, we're providing opportunities for you to put your arm around somebody. Say, "Hey, come to our church. They got somehow a helicopter is going to drop eggs off." All right, and and have fun. And then of course we have Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a lot of things happening. And so I want you to just pray. Start to pray now and begin to invite. And I tell you, don't wait till Easter to invite somebody. Start inviting people as God places them in your life. Pray and invite. Last, uh, last week, I, I was shared in our Saturday night service, hey, invite somebody, because if, if you just invite them, they will come. And so this guy went home, and he invited somebody, and he came back Sunday. So he was here Saturday. He came back Sunday morning with his friend that, 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 that wanted to come because he invited him. So I want to encourage you. Go out and do the work of God. Watch what God is going to do in your life. Take a small step of faith and invite somebody and just watch him. God is doing great things. The church is growing. We're growing deeper in God. We're growing wider as, as more and more people are coming to Christ. So I want to encourage you on that note. All right? This time I'd like our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. As they come, I'd like to just remind you of a few families in, in our church that could really use your prayers this morning. Uh, first of all is the Geesman family. Uh, Bob Geesman, as you know, attends here, and uh, his mother, Lois Geesman, was a longtime member of our church, probably for 40 years was part of our church, and so uh, she went on to be with the Lord last Monday, and we had her funeral here yesterday, uh, yesterday morning. It was very honoring to God and to Lois, and we're thankful for, for what God did there. So if you'll remember the Geesman family in prayer, and then also uh, Heather Wilhelm, her mother passed away, and her mother will be laid out in Shadyside. And uh, we want to encourage you, if you're connected to Heather, please, uh, please stop by there and, uh, and offer your condolences there. All right? Let's go to the Lord this morning, shall we? Our Father and our God, I come before you, and I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. God, you've been moving in ways that, uh, that we don't even know. You're tugging on people's hearts. You're drawing people closer to Christ, and you're bringing them in, and you're making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. God, we thank you, and we, we bless your name. Thank you for how your people have been so faithful to give to you, Lord. I ask now that as, the, as, as we give to your name this morning, that uh, you will bless each giver and, uh, and each gift unto your almighty name. In your name we pray. Amen.
hear the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life You got pain He's a pain taker You feel lost He's a way We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night We've all found ourselves on out from the same old fire We've all run to things we know just ain't right When there's a better life, there's a better life If you got pain, he's a pain taker receive it if you can feel it somebody testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify testify if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify if you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you got chains, well, he's a chain breaker. Amen. You can be seated. study looking at the life of Samson. When you think of Samson, you think of a strong man. You think of a man who was, um, was, was totally strong. You think of the man who got his hair cut and lost his strength. But uh, there's so much more to the story. 
Four chapters are dedicated to the life of Samson. So today we're going to go over to the book of Judges again, chapter 14. And I just want to recap on a few things. You know, we started off the first week we looked at Samson, his, his issue with lust. Uh, he saw a woman, he was uh, of the Philistines, and he said, I want her. And I want her now. Mommy and Daddy, go get her for me. So he goes and he gets her. And, he, and he, he, he takes a step out of God's will. God had told them not to marry outside of the, uh, of the Israelites, not to marry outside of the Jewish people. And so what's he do? He goes and marries somebody who's not. And God's purpose for that was that he wanted them to be people that were, uh, that were uh, married to people that were worshiping God. So these were all worshipers together. And, uh, and so he takes a step out and finds somebody who, who doesn't love God. And then, uh, and, and then we saw all his anger issues. And uh, last week we talked about his anger Today, let's pick up in Judges 14. We're just going to recap a little bit. Uh, he, I want to remind you of the, the vow, too. He had a Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow was a vow of consecration. And so the consecration, he was set apart unto the Lord. And so for his life, his life was to be set apart. And so the vow included this. Number one, not to drink of anything off the vine. All right? So in other words, there was no alcohol, no wine. Don't go get drunk. All right? Number two, uh, the, the next thing was not to touch anything unclean. So it was not to eat anything unclean, not to touch anything unclean. And, uh, and we see that, that he really struggled with both these. He, did, he went out and uh, he throws a party before his wedding. He makes a major, major bad decision to marry somebody not, a, not of the Israelite faith, not of the, not of the Jewish faith. And then he, he throws a big party. And, the, and the, the word there for a party was a drinking party. So he throws a drinking party. He's got 30 men at this party. It's a big old party. And he just takes God's word lightly. He took the vow that he had before God, and he just took it lightly. He just said, okay, I didn't get caught. Nothing happened. Uh, the, the touching the unclean things, there was the animal that he killed. He, he goes out, and he kills a lion. Now, the provision, if you had to kill an animal in self-defense when you're under the vow, was that you would have had to go back to the, uh, back to the priest and get ceremonial cleansing. So he, he didn't go back for ceremonial cleansing. As a matter of fact, he says, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know that this even happened. And so uh, he, he's hiding a secret as if he could keep a secret from God. And nobody would know. So not only that, he goes back down the road. He finds the lion and he scoops out honey out of the, uh, the bees have been swarming and, and made their home now in the lion's carcass. And he scoops honey out. So he, he comes back in touch with the unclean things. And he takes, he takes it very lightly, and he just lets these unclean things just kind of sneak into his life. Um, Judges 14, 19, after he's gone out and he's had the, he had this big, uh, this big issue with the, with the family here. He had told a riddle to the, to, the part, to the wedding party to these 30 men, and the, uh, the bride betrays him. He tells, she tells the secret of this riddle. And now this morning we're going to look. Judges 14, 19, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, and he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. <clears throat> Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house. So we see, we pick up last week, he was in anger. He goes out after he's lost the, 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 uh, the battle here. He's lost this riddle. And uh, what is driving him, I want you to see he has anger, but his anger is driven by his pride. 
And pride is so destructive, folks. He is driven that. So we all have anger. We have anger issues. We have to deal with anger. Last week I shared with you that I, I have a short fuse, and I have tried to control it so that I rarely light that fuse. And so that, that's, that's where we're at with anger. We have to control the anger. But the thing that was driving Samson's anger was his pride. Uh, he didn't want to lose his bet for nothing. And so he comes in. He is so mad at his wife, so mad at the Philistines. He comes and he, and he takes 30 other lives and he kills them here. He says he took 30 other men. And so he takes their clothes and fulfills. says, okay, here's, I'll fulfill my bet. I'll show you guys. He kills 30 Philistines, gives the clothes over to the, to the people that he lost the bet to. And now he's burning with anger. Verse 20, it says that and Samson's wife was given to a friend who, who attended his wedding. And when we burn with anger, quite often we lose relationships. That's what happened here. He burned with anger and he lost his wife. Do you see that? Right next to each other. Verse 19, verse 20. He burned with anger and he lost his wife. They gave his wife away. It says that Samson's wife was given to the best man, basically, to the friend who attended his wedding. He runs out in anger. He goes up and he ties up uh, uh, 300 foxes in pairs of two. So you had 150 pairs of foxes, and and he lights their tails on fire, sends them out, and they go out and they ruin all the crops, all the all the everything that would uh, that the the people needed to live. And so he says, basically, he puts his stamp on and says, Samson was here. And you see this going back and forth. This anger is raging. And what Samson is dealing with, he's dealing with anger, but his anger is motivated by his pride. Uh, Judges 15, 14, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him. Uh, and they were shouting. So here's what happened. They, 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 he comes back, and now they're, they're chasing him. There are 3,000 men looking for Samson. 3,000 men. You want to talk about one guy that could cause a lot of problems, right? Samson goes in. He disturbs all their stuff. And, uh, and so he, here he is now. He runs back home to the, to the children of Israel. And, the, of the, and, and the, it says that the tribe of Judah, that they took him and, the, and they tied him up. And they said, we don't want anything to do with you. See, pride, pride does that. It gets people to stay away from us when we, when we well up with pride. His pride was driving him. And so he's Mr. Strongman. He's got it all. But yet now they're coming after him. The enemy's coming after him. And 3,000 men are coming after him. This was their judge. This was their great leader. And so, so now they tie him up and say, we don't want anything to do with you, Samson. And so they throw him in a cave. And that's where we pick up here in this verse 14. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, the spirit, of the, Lord, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Then the ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Three thousand men are coming after him. And there's a key, the key verse here. Look here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. We see that phrase over and over and over. And so he, here he comes, and now check us out. Go back to that vow. What does he do? He grabs a donkey's jawbone, the unclean, the dead. 
He grabs the donkey's jawbone, and he begins the fight. The Spirit of the Lord was on him, but in his own power, he makes another decision. I'm going to break this vow. And he goes after it, and he begins to slay. And just, just imagine this, this man, single-handedly, he's just slaying these people as they come after him. I like to refer to Rambo. He was the only guy that could survive all that, right? Of course, I'm showing my age now, right? Rambo, he's kind of out of it, right? But Rambo, remember, he could, he could just take down anything that came in his way. And that's the way Samson was. He came out, and he could take down anything in his way with that jawbone. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a 1,000 men. Then Samson said, now check this out. We talked about this last week, but I want to give you a little different angle at it this week. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made a heap or two. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And what, what he was doing here, in the Hebrew, that, the word for heap, all right, the word for power, heap, whatever there, is, is, the, is a similar word in sounding in Hebrew to the sound of a word of donkey. All right? So he comes and says, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made a donkey out of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys out of the Philistines. Now, I want you to think of another word that could be translated there. With a donkey's jawbone, I have humiliated them, and I have made donkeys out of these people. now, Now, catch this. Three verses earlier, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, right? And how does Samson respond? What does Samson respond He says, with a donkey's bone, who? Read it with me. Who? I. He doesn't say with a a donkey's jawbone, I. He doesn't say with a donkey's jawbone, I in the power of the Lord. He, He just says with a donkey's jawbone, I have humiliated them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. How audacious. The Spirit of the Lord comes on him in power, and now he takes credit for it. You want to talk about pride. Here was a guy dealing with pride. God did something really big in his life, and what's he going to do? He's going to take pride for it. Uh, He's going to take credit for it. He comes in in pride and takes credit for it and says, okay, it was because. And, you know, don't we tend to do that in our life? You, you look at something that went really good and you say, well, yeah, that's because whenever my kids were little, we did this. And because whenever this, we did that. And we start to tell all the reasons of why this happened. And sometimes when things go wrong, we try to find out why did it go wrong. And listen, our pride is behind so much of that. When we take our pride and we're dealing with pride, pride does that. It, it causes us to, to well up and to, and to take credit for something that we didn't do. And when things go bad, you're trying to take credit as if you could have changed this situation. Um, remember that uh, whenever we're dealing with pride, folks, for men, I, I want to encourage you, men, many times when we're dealing with pride, it's often driven by our insecurities. There are things that we are insecure about that we become prideful about. The very thing that can become, uh, become an area that we're worried about, we can become prideful, and we're driven by those areas of our life. Uh, when we don't know who we are in Christ... Pride can creep in. I want you to understand that. We live in a world that says, I am proud because I have done something. 
You see that? I, look at your great accomplishments. Look at how you raised your family. Look at your, yeah, the wealth that you've accumulated. Look at anything that you have done. And you can come back and you can say, my success at my company is because I get in there an hour early every day. Or my success is because I never take vacation. And you start to well up with pride. And what we do is we begin to get our value from how we perform. Uh, one young man left here this morning. He was, uh, he's in his uh, later 20s, and he shared with me. He said, he said, man, I really struggle with that because that is so true in my life. I feel like if, I, if, I've, uh, if I've made my wife happy, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. If I've done well at my job, yeah, I'm doing good. And so we, we get our value from how we perform. You see, God wants us to get our value from him not how we perform. And so, so this issue of pride is really a big deal. Somebody once shared this with me. Somebody said, well, I'm so glad that the only sin that I really struggle with is pride. And I <laughs> was really taken back by that. And, and what this person was saying was, pride, I'm glad that all I have to deal with is pride because all these other things are way worse than what I am doing. And I was like, dude, you just said another prideful statement that somehow because you're not doing something over here on this list that your list is not bad. And so here we are. See, that's what pride does. We always well up and we, we, we do this. Let me share with you what, what the Old Testament says about pride. What, the, what does Proverbs say about pride? God said, there are seven things that I hate. And on the list is pride. Oh, I'm glad that's all I have to deal with is pride. Listen, that is the, the root of so many of our problems is pride. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And that is the root of the very first sin. God says, don't eat of the tree. And what does Adam and Eve do? They think they know better than God. They go right out and they say, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. And because they think that they know better than God, or maybe that God might be hiding something from them, they come and they take this action now and they say, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the rest is history. And God follows through on his word. Listen, pride is a real struggle. And I think this is a, a real struggle for humans everywhere, but particularly in, in, in America. We have to deal with pride. You see, pride is whenever I want to become the hero of the story. Samson was trying to become the hero of the story. Uh, when you go back and you read Samson, and, and, and many of you remember Samson from the days of flannel graph, whenever they, they put those little felt characters up there, you know, in Sunday school. Uh, you remember Samson, and you saw this hero because he did some great things. Because you saw that he killed a lion with his bare hands. And wow, we're attracted to that power. But what we're forgetting is that Samson really struggled. Samson wanted to be the hero of the story. And if you go and you read those four chapters, you'll find that God is really the hero of the story. God is really the hero in Samson's story because it says that the power of the Lord keeps coming upon him. The power of the Lord came upon Samson. The power of the Lord came upon Samson. And Samson here comes back and he says, well, I, I have killed a thousand men. And then he takes it, verse 17, when he finished speaking, he threw the jawbone I could just see him. He's walking around. He's got this jawbone. He's covered in blood. And he says, I have killed a thousand men all in a day's labor. 
I've made donkeys out of them. <laughs> and he piles it on a pile of dead bodies. And then it says that the place was called Ramoth. The, the meaning of that, of, that, of that name is a pile of bones. A pile of bones. Listen, it was a pile of bones. The place was now known as a pile of bones. And so here he is. He's swelling up in his pride. May I share with you that God has got to always be the hero in your story? God becomes the main character. See, when, when, we, when we're dealing with pride, we try to take God out of the main character. We try to take him and make him a, a, a side part of our story. God has got to become the hero. He's got to be the main event in your life. Have you fallen prey to pride? And I want you to think about this. Have you fallen prey to pride? Pride is a, is, is a terrible thing to struggle with, and we all struggle with it. And it's not, it's not less than some other sins. It's actually the worst thing to struggle with because it drives everything else. Pride is why I make the decisions that I do on so many things. I've made so many wrong decisions based on pride. And so, so it's all about me, my ego. It's about how I'm feeling. It's about where I fit into the, to the system here, all right? Pride, I, I'm driven by that. Let me give you a few ways. You, you say, well, I'm not struggling with pride. Let me give you a few thoughts here on the pedestal of pride. Um, on the pedestal of pride, you know, when you get a trophy. You, you love the trophies, you know? Everybody loves a trophy. I think today we live in a world where we give a trophy for everything. Have you noticed that, you know? There's a trophy for last place. There's a trophy for first place, all right? But, but when you have the first place trophy, you love the first place trophy, don't you? And, and the first place trophy's on there, and my pride is driving me. I love, everybody loves a trophy. So I want you to think about the pedestal, the pedestal of pride. The very first thing I want you to notice about the pedestal of pride is the absence of heartfelt worship. This is really interesting. If you go read the four chapters on, on Samson, it never mentions that he worshiped God. There's no mention of him worshiping God. We see him pray a few times, and he prays when he gets in trouble. But there's no worship. You know, we see, we see other characters in the, in the Bible, they worship God. You see David worship the Lord. You see uh, many characters, Joseph worshiping the Lord. You see these people, they come and they worship the Lord. Uh, there's a sense of heartfelt communication to God. They are connected to, to the Lord. But Samson, we don't see anything about him worshiping the Lord. We see his pride. We see his mistakes. And so on, I want to share with you that, that on this pedestal, what causes us to be on this pedestal is an absence of heartfelt worship. And here's what's really interesting. Just because you're in church doesn't mean that you're worshiping. You see, pride and religion often go together. Pride and religion go together. People, churches are filled with proud people everywhere. Why? Because you can come and you can say, well, I can show off my clothes today which I'm, I don't have much to show off, all right? Uh, you, 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 could be, you could show off your talent up here, which these people are not. But, I mean, you could show off. You could do anything. You could show off that I adhere to a certain way of living. I adhere to this. I adhere to that. And so you, you can show off. And, and it's this, this, this pride mentality. Look what I have done. You see, pride and religion go together because religion is people that are trying to show God how good they are. But pride and worship never go together. You'll never have worship and pride together. Um, Laura, I, I appreciate what she said today about learning how to worship the Lord. Uh, and listen, when we come together, when we sing in here, I want to encourage you to worship the Lord, to respond to His goodness. 
But may I share you this, that worship is so much more than three songs a week, folks. It is way more than what we can fit into an hour here on Sunday morning. It is about you connecting to God. It is way more than you having a moment with K-Love in your car, okay? You turn on K-Love radio and you hear that and it was really good, right? Well, worship is about your heart connecting to God's heart. It's about you responding to Him. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, the absence of heartfelt worship, when we have pride, we're not truly connecting to God. You see, you can come in and you can, you can just, in your life, you can be so filled with pride that you're not connecting to God. In the Old Testament, we see that over and over, that they had to, they had to struggle with that. Uh, over and over, we see that from time to time that people would struggle with this, this concept of connecting to God. As a matter of fact, one time God said that your hearts are far from me. You're here, you're doing the rituals, but your hearts are far from me. God wants our heart. Uh, that, that is the posture of worship. The posture of worship is not a hand raised. It's not how you sing. It's not kneeling. It's not, those are all fun things. And I think they're great, and the Scripture encourages all of that. But worship in and of itself is the bowing of the heart. It's a humility before God. God, I am the created. You are the creator. God, I am weak. You are strong. And now I place God on the place that he belongs. It's not a style. It is your heart who's coming before the Lord. So I want to encourage you this morning. uh, Understand that uh, Samson struggled with that. We don't see him worshiping in the Scripture. Uh, We see him pray when he's in trouble, but we don't see him worshiping. Foolishness is also on the pedestal of pride. Foolishness. I want you to think about this. Samson, his ego got bigger and bigger as time went on. He he goes from killing the lion with his bare hand to killing 30 people to to capturing 300 foxes to killing 1,000 people. And so his pride, no doubt his pride was swelling as he he looked at all those accomplishments. But consider this about pride. Proverbs 18, 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You want to set yourself up? Just start looking at your accomplishments and getting proud about them. I just start saying, man, it was a great day. Next week's going to be a terrible day. Uh, you, when we have foolishness, uh, when we, uh, that's what happens, foolishness. We kind of taunt ourselves, uh, taunting the enemy, if you will. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Um, Proverbs seventeen 19, we'll throw that up here. Proverbs seventeen nineteen. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. There it is, guys. If you love to argue and fight, there it is. You love sin. That's what the Scriptures tell us. Anyone who trusts in high walls invites disaster. And what, what, let, me, let me give you this. Uh, when you're uh, talking about inviting high walls, you want to boast. That's what we do when we boast. We build up high walls. So anyone, you could say it like this, anyone who talks boastfully invites disaster. Anyone who talks boastfully invites disaster. So, so as, as you're coming along, look at your life. Are you dealing with uh, your missing heartfelt worship? Are you, uh, is there foolishness that, that, that you seem to be dealing with? Um, um, a fellow by the name of Warren Sapp, he was bragging, he played for the NFL, he was bragging about the fact that he could break the, the, uh, the, the, the sack record, that he would have the most sacks the next year. He came off of a really good year with 16 and a half sacks. 
And so, I mean, he's just bragging. He's talking trash, and the media's got it all up. And uh, in, in the next year, that record was broken, but not by Warren. It was broken by Michael Strahan. He had 22 and a half the next year. Uh, he came, uh, Warren came off of 16 sacks, and after that trash talk, guess what he had? He only had six sacks. Six, that was it. I mean, you want to talk about, talk about becoming uh, humiliated, embarrassed. You want to talk boastfully, you invite disaster. Isolation. The next thing on the pedestal is isolation. Not, uh, not only do we ha- talk foolish, but we become isolated. Samson had no friends. You look through these four chapters. You see no talk about a guy friend that comes along him. We see, we see his interaction with women, he has, and he has a lot of woman troubles, but he has no real friends. You see what, what pride does? It isolates me. I'm the only one who's right. <laughs> when you're the only one who's right, who's going to be hanging out with you? Who, who can even get close to you? Who do you even want to get close to when, you're that, when you have that? Uh, you see, what I've done is you, you begin to separate yourself so far. Isolation, this, this is what pride does to us. Um, and and, and certainly, certainly Samson went through that. And chapter 15 says that he was hiding out in the cave. They betrayed him. They said, oh, you great judge. We're so thankful for you. Let us tie you up and get rid of you. You fight this battle on your own. We're not calling the military to help you. None of our, we're not going to do anything on this. You have got to fight this on your own. And so, that, so he does. Uh, disappointment is the next thing on there. Disappointment. You know, when, when, we, when we build up pride, you start building up your accomplishments, all right? Well, look what I have done. Um, it's, it's bound to be temporary, folks. Let me give you a few thoughts here. Take, for example, pride in your appearance. Just wait. Wrinkles are coming, all right? Uh, You take pride in your athletic ability. Just wait. Arthritis is coming, all right? You take pride in your great skill at business, on your job. Just wait. There's a younger guy about to be hired to replace you, all right? And then you take pride in your cleverness. Just wait. There's a Delilah about to trip you, just like Samson. See, these are things on the pedestal of pride. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation, while humiliation brings honor. Pride ends in humiliation, while, hum- while humility brings honor. So in other words, when we come before God with a humble spirit, we, we bring honor to the Lord. But when we come with a prideful spirit, it ends in humiliation. So look at your life. What are you proud of? Are you dealing with pride? One person left first service and said, wow, I didn't know that I had pride in my life. And I was checking out, and there was something I'm dealing with in my office. And here I found out it was me, based upon that description of pride. What is God talking to you about this morning? How are you responding to his word about pride? Uh, Let me give you a hope for a heart of humility. The opposite of pride is humility. So what we've got to do, we've got to come off the pedestal that we know everything, that we're better than everybody, that my accomplishments are so wonderful. I've got to come off, this, off of this pedestal of pride. Just imagine if Samson could have said, wow, by the power of God Almighty, he allowed me to use a jawbone to kill a thousand men. 
wow, what a different spirit. But he says, I. And he throws in the riddle term. I've made donkeys out of them. I've humiliated them. Uh, first of all, in, in Acts chapter 14, the apostle Paul, he was out in uh, Paul and Barnabas, and this was uh, the church was spreading. It's growing like wildfire, and they are they're 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 doing their signs and wonders, as the Bible tells us. And people are coming to Christ at a high rate. But there was so many people in the town. They came and they were trying to trying to crown them like uh, like they were magicians and and try to build a bigger movement than what it was. They were trying to build them like they had some supernatural power that that it was them and not God, right? So look at, look at what he does here, how he responds in Acts 14, 15. He says, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from those worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, there, there's, there's a few thoughts we're going to take from this verse here that are going to help us to have a humble heart. Here's hope for the humble heart this morning. Number one, remember who you are. He says, we are just mere human beings like you. Remember who you are. Uh, Come before the people in your office, the people that you employ, the people that you work for. Come before the people that you're interacting with and realize that you are just merely human like they are. Hope for the humble heart, number one, is to understand who you are. Remember who you are. Wayne Gretzky uh, was, uh, was, was, is a notorious hockey player. Look at all what, all what he has done in the, in the uh, NHL. And look at uh, all his awards and all his accolades. He was known as the great one. That's what the media called him, Wayne Gretzky, the great one, all right? And so when the great one would come out, people would cheer. One day, he was, uh, he was interviewed by, by ESPN, and he responds to ESPN, and he says, they were asking him about his career. Now, tell us, how did you become the great one? And he says, well, folks, I, uh, I don't really call myself the great one. I think you could look at a few years and say I had some good years, and you could look and say I, had a, I was the good one. You could look at another year and say that I was the mediocre one. But he doesn't refer to himself as the great one. You see, come and remember who you are because this, this is where you're at. God's made you human. You're going to struggle just like everybody else. So take that, that pride that we're mounting up that I'm better than somebody else, that my pride has gotten, that my accomplishments have gotten me where I'm at, and remember who you are. We are just merely human. Uh, remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. That's the next thing. Uh, in, in, in Acts 14, 15, he says that we have come to bring good news, bring you the good news. They had a mission, and they remembered why they were here. It would have been easy for Paul and Barnabas to just let this thing get out of control. Let them refer to them as, wow, the magicians. Uh, this thing could have won a whole different path. But they come back, and they remembered why God had them there. Now, in your life, I want to encourage you. Remember why God has you where you're at. Why does God have you in your office? Why does God have you in in that place of recreation? Why does God have you wherever that you are at? Because he wants you to deliver the good news. He wants you to glorify God with your life, honor him, connect to the creator, and share that with the world. That's what God has called you to. 
it's so easy for us to get to to, rem, uh, to forget why we're here. Strong men tend to get caught up in the competitions of life. You know that? We, we tend to get caught up in, in, in the competitions of life. I'm going to have a bigger house. I'm going to have better cars. I'm going to have bigger, better, best. And, and so we, we get all tied up into that, and we forget why we're here. I'll just share this with you. Several years ago, there was, a, um, there was, there was a, uh, an incident that I had. I was uh, watching my daughters play basketball, and... Uh, and Kara, she was on a on a team. So I had Carice, she was on her team. Kara was on her team. Carice was an excellent ball player. Kara was an excellent ball player. And we had this issue with these two teams combined. And then so our coach was out of the picture, and now I have this new coach. And I'm sitting there all year struggling because I wanted Kara to play. I, you know, do you realize this about sports? Every parent thinks their kid is the best kid on the team. Did you ever notice that? I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know maybe, maybe some of you are, have, don't have kids yet and your kids aren't on the team or they're young. Listen, every parent thinks that their kid is the best kid on the team, and without exception here, okay? That happened to me too. So I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and we, we got into these games, and they're playing basketball. This was in basketball. And, and I'll never forget, I got into the coach's face one day. I mean, I just went in. I lit up on him. I said, what is wrong with you? This is third grade basketball. And he said, well, my daughter's obviously better than yours. I said, what is wrong with you? My daughter's sitting over there crying. Give her more playtime. And so I'll never forget. I had this big interaction with him. And then I got in the car on the way home, and I'm thinking, man, did I just forget why God has me here? Is it so my daughter could be the star of the basketball team? And I lost it. I really did. So I went back and I tried to, to live a peaceful life in front of this guy. I tried to interact with him and I tried to, tried to be loving. And so from third grade all the way on, we, we, we had this slight tension. Doesn't happen, right? But just slight tension. Uh, and it was over that. And then one day, I run into this guy's sister. And his sister said, we are so glad that God placed you in this guy's life. We've been praying for him to come to God, and maybe this is an answer to prayer. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, did I blow that? God, did I really do that? Did I really let winning a game, did I really let time on the floor, did I really let my right to be right? Do you see, that's what pride is. Pride is my right to be right. My right to be better. My right for whatever. Did I really let that get in the way of what God was doing? And I pray that God will use the time that we had there for, for kingdom purpose. And, but you know what? It's like, wow, we struggle, don't we? Pride, this is what pride does. Pride can, pride can really mess us up. Uh, Mark eight thirty four. when he had called the people to himself, he told his disciples this, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what it is. That's, that's what humility is. Deny yourself and follow Christ. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And then he goes in a step further, verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, the pride, pride of life, 
the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. These are our struggles. And so we've got the, the, hope for, the hope for a humble heart. We first of all remember who we are. Second of all, remember what you're here for. And thirdly, remember who you serve. Remember who you serve. You're serving God. Uh, you say, well, it's a thankless job. It's okay because you're serving God. And God will take care of you. Oh, but, but, you know, but you don't understand. I should have. I deserve. I know exactly what you deserve. God says if we get what we deserve, we go to hell. Do not go to jail first, straight to hell. And I'm going to somehow well up with pride that God owes me something in my life? See, do you understand this? That we've got to take the pride. We've got to take the pride. We've got to come before God and say, okay, God, I remember who I serve and I remember you. The last part of the verse there, it says that we have come here to help them understand, to, to help the people forget the, the things that were not important and bring them to God. Verse 14, Acts 14, 15, it says, good news, we brought you the good news that you should turn from those worthless things and, and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea. Do you see what we're here for, folks? We have a higher purpose. We have a higher purpose than somebody give you an accolade, than, than, that, than that you did perform well. Don't get your value from your performance. Get it from your God. And then whenever I come before God, I can come humbly before the creator of the universe and I can worship him. Back to Samson. Sam, Judges chapter 15, verse 18. Samson has this great victory. He takes the credit for it. And now he's out in the desert and he's dying of thirst. Look what the scripture says here. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory must I now die of thirst into the hands of the uncircumcised, or in other words, into the hands of the ungodly? Are you going to let the Philistines take me down? <laughs> I just killed a thousand men. You were there with me, Lord. Your power was there. It's amazing how he can come from the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and then we see him do a great thing. Then he takes credit for it, and the very next verse we see him, Oh, Lord, you're not going to let me die now, are you? Look, look, you were there for me. Certainly you'll, you'll, you'll take care of me. And look what he says here. You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst? Verse 19. Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and revived. So, he was, so the spring was called Enhekor, and in it, and it is still there. Verse 20, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Here's what happens. He had a need. And when we have a need and we come before God, God will place things in your life that will cause you to come to him. He did that over in the, in the book of Kings. You, you, you see that they, they, they had a need and they, they, they came out and prayed for the need and the very need was what God gave them that drove the enemy away. I, I want to encourage you today to, to the need that God has in your life. Don't well up with pride. Your insecurities to drive at that. Come before the Lord and humbly ask him. Now, the scripture says here that he was refreshed, he was revived, and for the next 20 years, he's the judge. For the next 20 years, he's the leader. So we've been talking about the first half of Samson's life, 20 years old. 
We're going to pick up next week when he's 40 years old. And in between this, this, the 20 years, there's a relatively calm time there. It's quiet on Samson's life for 20 years. But we see here, what's he do? He's taken the need and he's come before God and he says, God, I need you. Even though he only called when he was in trouble. He comes and says, God, I need you. I need you. I, I'm going to die out here. And God was faithful because God is faithful to the work that he has called him to do. That's bound for it. This morning, I'd like to ask you to respond to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Pride is a serious issue. It's not something to be taken lightly. It can actually destroy your spiritual life. It can destroy your relationships. It can fuel your anger. I want to encourage you this morning, remember who you are. Remember what you're here for, and remember who you serve. Father God, be with your people as they respond to you this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to each one of us, Lord. We all struggle with pride. Our human nature wants to swell up and and take credit and, and make decisions without you, Lord. God, I pray you help each one of us to come and submit to your power, to your might, to your holiness. God, thank you that you've given us this opportunity. You said in your word to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and you will lift us up. Father, I pray because so many this morning have been in the business of lifting themselves up, not in the business of humbling. So God, I pray this morning you'll teach us, Lord. Teach us. Take these thoughts this morning. Encourage us with your word as we leave this place that we will go home and humble ourselves in the sight of an almighty God. Lord, for some in here this morning, they need to reach out to you for the first time ever and accept you as their Savior. I ask, Lord, that you will open their hearts to you, that they will understand that they need you. There's only one way into heaven. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus. God, would you transform lives this morning? Transform Christians, Lord, people that have been believers for many, many years. Lord, would you transform us? Make us more like Jesus, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand as we sing the closing song, and the altar is open this morning. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, You've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside Then there's a better life There's a better life You got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker if you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day and dead of night. We've all found ourselves on now from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right And there's a better life There's a better life 
If you believe it, if you receive it.